Hello and welcome to another episode of Skin Tints with me, Skin. In this episode, uh, it's another one of my favourite artists that are really close to my heart. Um, they've joined me for a chat. Uh, Zeal and Arda, I first came across them when I heard a track called The Devil Is Mine in 2017. It was just an astonishing track, uh, fresh as daisies. Um, so it's a real honour and a pleasure for me after all these years to actually invite him onto the show for a chat. Um, here he is. This is Manuel from the band Zeal and Arda. It's wonderful in this show, actually, because I get to kind of just speak to all the people whose music I love, and um, and some of that's kind of really mellow, but you actually, it's great to be actually to be able to speak to like a proper metaler. <laughs> proper metaler. <laughs> because, you know, on this station, it's probably, I, I prob- I'm stretching the boundaries of how heavy this station likes to play. And so I'm sneaking you in there, um, which is a really lovely thing for me to do. But I know that you've told this story a million times, but I know our listeners don't really know it. We're actual... Zealand Arda, the name and the idea and how the project started. Yeah, so it started, I was living in New York uh, and I was bore, bored with another project I was working on, Bird Mask. And I elected to um, ask a forum online, it was 4chan, um, to name two musical genres and I'd make a song of it in like a half an hour. And one day one person said black metal and another person said black music, well, in a different connotation the n-word music exactly and i thought you know if if i just get upset they kind of win don't they so they got a rise out of me so i figured i'd just try to make something good out of it that would be the bigger f you so that kind of caught on and bizarrely people really liked it and it got to the point where i can kind of sustain my life from it yeah it's i mean it's I love how you turn such a, a negative into a positive and then into just like success. I mean, you've, you're crossing, Devil is Fine is the first track I heard. Um, obviously, I think the, whole, the first track the whole world heard. Um, and what's really wonderful about you, you've got these two really quite opposing genres, you know. So you've got this black metal thing and then you've got this creative project that you're doing online at 4chan, which is basically I don't know uh, listeners if you know this but it's kind of one of the original kind of uh, out there extreme anything goes um, internet sites that a lot of the Q stuff came out of I think it was created by the Q wasn't it really we could is that a, a debate that we can get into yeah <laughs> that guy kind of situation yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you're creatively just saying just give me two things. I mean, that for me, just the start of it is just a, a, a great thing to do in terms of like trying to get out of, a, a, you know, a, a writer's block or a situation. How long have you been doing that for? Um, Forever, actually. Like I, I would actually just, I'm not into tarot cards, but I have a deck of them. So if I get stuck yeah. writing something, I just put out a card and like, it's like what Brian Eno did with his oblique thinking thingamajigs. Yeah. Only with prettier pictures. And you're like, wait, hold on. Uh, there's a sun on there. Maybe I should try something warmer. And it's just that kind of anything goes thing. I mean, you know, music, creating music always has to be like kind of fun and exciting. Since sometimes you need a, like a little component that isn't really calculated and random. Yeah. That was what I'm trying to do. 
I actually worked with Brian, you know, and he gave me a pack of those cards and I God still have them. <laughs> I think he just started doing it. I did, I did something with him, was working with a, an, an amazing Indian artist and he gave me those cards and I still have them. I think it's, so, it's such a good thing to be able to just like, okay, I'm stuck, but I don't want to... Sometimes I just go away and do something else and sometimes I look at my Brian Eno cards and go, okay, let, let's do that. But it's interesting. So out of that, you get these two completely competing things. Did the idea for the song come up in that half an hour or was it something that you started and then you thought to yourself, okay, I've got something here. This is actually bigger than this challenge of half an hour. Yeah, the first draft was hard. It was not good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to try to lie. <laughs> no, it took like a half a year. I was like, uh, you know, reiterating and trying different aspects of it. And uh, it, yeah, Devil's Fan was one of the first ones that I, I thought like, wait, hold on, this is... This has legs. It's interesting because in rock music, I really feel like, you know, there's not a lot of original stuff that can be done. It's all kind of just been done. And so when I heard that track, I was like, this is the first time in a very long time I've heard something that I haven't done. You know, two things that have never been done before and done in a really uh, interesting way, not just like the idea and then, you know, just moving on from that idea and doing something completely brand brand new for it. Um I mean, you're like in the world of like uh, Scandinavian black metal now. I mean, <laughs> you were already there, obviously, because of, um, you know, other influences and things that you'd been, you know, it wasn't like a new thing for you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how is it being in that world? Because I know for me, just being like a black person playing rock music, you know, there's a lot of negativity and whatever, but it's still rock music. You know, there's still enough blues and black influences. But Scandinavian black metal is really quite extreme. And are you going to get those extreme people at you? How has it been in that world and how, how have they taken to you? I mean, there's there's been a fair amount of animosity, which is to be expected. But, um, you know, it's it's funny because especially like the black metal thing, it started as this extreme, raw, everything goes kind of music. Whereas now there's so many rules you have to adhere to that it kind of yeah. you know, it defeats its own purpose. Um, it's fun. And I think you can relate to this when when I say that there's always the danger of like being the token black person in a genre. And the actual struggle is to... to say no I'm not like this this curiosity I'm you know just like everyone else I just do this in my way and because you love it and because it's your character and that's what you're feeling yeah Um, yeah I do appreciate that one I do understand that one just from maybe a female queer point of view as opposed to just being black as well on top of it I mean it was originally a solo project Right, and then you had Bird Mask, which which is also a great project, and then you kind of got into a situation where you're okay. Well, I'm gonna. This is doing really well now. This is great. People are really responding to it, you know. And then you got gigs like you know, Prophets of Rage, and all these festivals that people are asking you to do. So you have to put a band together. How was that process, turning it from a a solo project into a band, and then? How have you managed to, I mean, are you writing songs as a band now? Or is it mainly you? Are you still producing it and still doing all that stuff? Or is it mainly like a, a complete band now? Um, I still do all the writing and producing as far as I can. I know that I, I can't master a track to save my life. And I'm at peace with that. <laughs> uh, it was kind of scary because I felt really, you know, 
at home in, in the studio or in my bedroom rather, just creating music and sending it out. And then it started to, you know, to get some positive feedback. And one of you know, a fragment of that was like, you have to play at this and this festival. Yeah. And uh, you have to prove yourself live. Yeah. I was just frightened beyond belief. Um, yeah. So I just asked friends of mine. I have like two or three gigs. It'll be fun. Like this is a cool festival. We can, you know, drink beers or whatever. And here we are, like three hundred gigs later, and it's like our jobs now. And if I wow. hadn't have asked my friends, uh, I think I wouldn't be as happy as I am. It's it's integral because y- you know this. You spend so such a large amount of time with them, and uh, gotta be able to love them. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. So I was thinking about, God, how you go from a solo project into a band and get that bit right, because that's where it could, in some ways, I, I can understand the fear, that's where it could all fall, fall to pieces. It was sheer luck. On my, like, I have such a huge amount of luck with the people I involve. Like, maybe it's something that I, you know, uh, kind of put out there, but it's, we never have any assholes with us. And I mm. think that's also a rule we kind of now make official, like, Sure, this person does their job well. Are we are we ready to you know have dinner with this person on a regular basis? That's, yeah, that's the thing. You got to spend so much time with them. What kind of were your influences before the Zealand and what were kind of the things that you loved growing up? Because you grew up, you grew up. Where did you grow up in Switzerland? In Basel. And uh, Basel. So, what kind of what, what was the music that you were listening to as a kid? What's the thing that you made you pick up your guitar and go, yeah, this is a great chord. <laughs> um, I think it was a mixture because like, there's a lot of punk uh, and also like leftist stuff in my hometown. A lot of squats. That was a huge part. And bands like Portishead, Mr. Bungle, and of course Bjork, who of course you also worked with because who did I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> just kind of people who just did their own thing with a complete disregard. It's just, mm. oh, you can just do it. And uh, that inspired me to no end and still does. And you straight, went straight into doing production as well. You kind of got all the... For you, it's really important not to just play guitar, but to also be involved in the studio and to control. So you were writing... You, you picked up your guitar, you were writing songs straight away. Or well, that's the direction you want to be in. Yeah, I mean, I, I was in bands, but they weren't as passionate as I was. And I was kind of arrogant. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, you guys, you don't have, want to put in the work. You just want to have parties. And I fled into my, you know, studio. It's not a studio. It was my room in, at my mom's place. <laughs> <laughs> the bedroom producer. <laughs> Listen, that's, it's all about that now. Do you, do you find it interesting how, you know, the way we grew up is now the way it's gone back to that? Because, you know, we all started the bedroom producers with our little four tracks. Yeah. And then we ended up being in bands in big studios. And now it's back to, you know, I'm in my little cubby hole here where I have my full studio again. There's something beautiful to that because, you know, the songs that we put on our little A-tracks, it was so honest and direct. It was not under the guise of a producer or a mixer. It was just like, I want to get this out. And there's this immediacy to it that I think Mm. is palpable and I'm a huge fan of. Do you think that in in some ways the COVID has kind of redirected people back to being authentic about the music? Because I think that now that they're like a lot of budding artists are bedroom producers, are like cubbyhole producers, are just like get a keyboard, get the software, get a MIDI, sorry, get a MIDI keyboard, get a computer, get the software. You know, there's so much you can do now and you can do it by, it's so easy to record by yourself now. Do you think that there's a new sound and it's kind of, 
gone back to being authentic and just the songs and just not so much the show off and the big sounds and all that kind of stuff? I think it's 50-50. I think like mm. half, half of the people are like, oh, I can just get all this stuff and I'll sound exactly like that person. I'm going to do that. Yeah. But I think uh, a thing that the internet kind of endangered was like the weirdos. And I think with people having that much time on their hands, they, they just kind of develop the weirdness. Like, uh, mm. I don't think it was possible because, let's say, four or five years ago, when you had something new and strange, you put it up on the internet and it was on the global table and everybody took a little piece and it was nothing special anymore. But now it can ripen and get really weird. Mm. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. I, f I feel like the... the um I feel I, I kind of agree with you. I feel like the market's kind of changed in the way that, you know, um, that sound, that bedroom sound, that kind of, you know, is very, people love it and authenticity is there and people kind of connecting things that just like feel real. But at the same time, there is no plug in that's going to sound like a guitar and an amp, really. Yeah. And my guitarist might disagree with me, but I'm like, mm, when he plugs in his guitar and his amp, it's so much better than all of those plugins and all of that fuzziness. There's a richness in there. So in some ways, I feel that studios, go, especially drums, you know, drums need big rooms. Mm -hmm. They just need big rooms to sound good. So I feel the same way. I feel like there's a weirdness and it's brought out all of those experimental characters in, 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 in terms of bedroom producers and in terms of the internet in terms of post-covid where people just had time like me to learn software that takes months to learn Hell yeah. um <laughs> you know um but you know i still found that after after covid we still had to go into a proper studio and record the drums and record the because you know there's something about the air and the amp mm -hmm. that has there's a sound around it that you can't get in a plug-in, that you can't get in a cubby hole. Yeah, there's people who, you know, lived in that room and know exactly where to put a mic that the snare sounds like poof, not doff. And they can actually differentiate that too. I, yeah. I have like a, a fleeting fascination for it. If I get a result immediately, I'm like, yeah, I did it. If it takes longer than 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, this is not worth it. I'm such an, <laughs> I'm such an impatient quit. So. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, I, I was, I'm having these lessons here and uh, um, because I got to a point where I got quite good, but then there's some things missing in my knowledge. And it's like one thing I cannot be doing is like going for 1,000 jump, kick jump sounds to get the right one. <laughs> it's yeah. like exactly. I'm just going to find a few favorites and then I'll redo it in the studio. You also have this other band called Bird Mask, which I listen to. I mean, how would you describe that project? And is it weird to have two very different projects on the go. I mean, is Birdmaster still going? You, you released something a couple of years ago. So for me, that's quite recent. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm, I'm in the studio right now for, for Birdmask. It's, it's really oh, cool. important for me to have like that balance. So if it, music has to have like an immediacy, and for me, it, when I'm writing something, I have to be fascinated by it. So yeah. if, if I ever get to the point that I'm kind of frustrated with a track or something, I just kind of ping pong to the other project and get some fresh air there so I can be yeah. all fresh faced on the other one again. <laughs> just gonna do something, can change up the vibe. Mm -hmm. um, I love how um, expansive that makes your voice because I must admit, I'm always jealous when I, when rock singers, they can do that little growl and they can do that scream because of my voice, I can kind of do it, but I can't really. <laughs> and so I, I love how expensive your voice is because it's, you, you have, you go, Birdmaster, you can go from this almost hip hop kind of soulful um, set of voice, 
but still not trying to be too perfect. And then you can go to the other extreme in black metal where it's just like raw. I mean, is that something that you had to train how to do? Or when you got into Zilinavi, you started doing it and then you had to, you buffed it up and then had to retrain yourself? I mean, or did it, was it just natural to you? It was nothing natural to me. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <clears throat> Since I was, you know, stuck up in my, my own room all the time, my vocal training was me recording my voice and redoing it until I don't hate it anymore. Wow. Because wow. as, as you might have you know, also experienced, hearing your own voice, especially when you're starting off, is torture. Yeah, So it is. It is. So in order for me to actually you know, put, be, be fine with putting something out, I would have to be at the point where I'm like, this is the best I can do, and I'm fine with that. The same yeah. thing happened with the, with the screamy bits, which, I, I mean, there's proper ways of doing it, I think, but yeah. I, I've lo- lost like a... Um, a fourth, like four or four whole tones in my register up there that I'm not going to get back because I didn't scream properly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess you got to lose your high voice, right? Yeah. That's when I, when I get a soul voice, voice, I always lose my high voice. Um, do you get training for that? That's sad. Don't lose any more. Yeah. You, I, go and get some training. I should. I should. <laughs> there's actually rock singers that can train you how to do that, you know. Um, but, yeah, there's rock tutors. Don't lose any more parts of your voice. We need that voice. There's a masculine pride thing. That I just have to get over, I think. Yeah, you get over that. Yeah, nobody needs to know. We can just cut this bit out of the conversation. No, I think <laughs> I should put it out there because it's childish and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I also um, love about you is that, you know, you're political as well. You know, it's not something you're running away from or hiding from. It's something that, you know, you are, you know, you are who you are. You're a black man in this world, you know, a brown man in this world. And that can, that comes into the lyrics and the music. And did you, has that been easy as well? Do you get in trouble for that? Or is it, you just don't care? It's I, just, I'm just going to do my stuff. I mean, I, I would feel shittish if I didn't. And I mean, the funny thing is we put an EP out last year called Wake of a Nation, where it just... Direct That's response right, to, yeah. you know, Eric Garner and George Floyd. And like the comments in, in the on the YouTube videos were like, Oh, they suddenly became political. Like, <laughs> I don't know what, what band you were listening to for like three years. Yeah. So, you know exactly. good riddance to them. Metal especially is very kind of have have a little bit of a blindfold situation going on when it comes to political stuff. It's also like a very often very toxic masculine space. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we tour with, you know, gender non-conforming people and we, we do a really good job. So we don't, we'd like to, you know, put it out there that this is possible and we actually kick more ass than a lot of people out there, regardless. And it's, it's just really weird that this, this genre is so stagnant. Mm. It's, it's kind of that extreme side of rock music that is kind of we like this and we are not changing. In England, we have the kind of black metal the the kind of more kind of mid country metal from the seventies Black Sabbath and bands like that, and that scene is a little bit the same. as like this is the sound we like, and that's all we're gonna do. But I mean, I think in black metal there's like a fascism wing to it, it's like a um, white supremacist wing to it, and that's very out there and very exposed and very kind of um, something that you know they feel very comfortable being at the same time that's extremely political so it, it was also, it always amazes me that it's only people only seem to criticize 
bans being political if they're left wing, but if they're right wing, it's completely fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and the funny thing is, there's uh, uh, a lot of black metal artists. Uh, they've they've come out as trans now, and like the transition is not easy, especially if you're in that sort of you know metier. There's a there's a person called Hunter. She's also in New York, actually. Yeah. Who um, recently transitioned, and she's she's just a genius, like on that yeah. Wendy Carlos, like yeah, 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 brilliant, brilliant, brilliant mind. And I can't even fathom the bishop that she has to deal with now. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's harsh. It's especially in America right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, parts of America just swing in this really alien white right wing direction. What so far has been the greatest moment for you in 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 Zilanada? Um. I think it was at the very beginning when we played our first festival, like our fourth gig ever, and uh, it was at um, Roadburn Festival in, in the Netherlands. Yeah. And um, the PA went out, and we were, you know, kind of shivery and, you know, like deer in the headlight. Um, but the audience started to sing Devil is Fine to us, and we did the call and response with them. Which, wow. Yeah, so that was like also like a kind Chills. of a bonding thing chills and everyone on stage was like you know in utter disbelief and i mean for 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 accident it couldn't have gone better so yeah that's i think it, that shows what you are when huge things like that happen and you just got to carry on anyway and what you're going to do mm -hmm. well we're going to do something good for you so what's what's in store for you now for the rest of the year what's your plan so you've got a new album that's out now can you, can you tell us a little bit about it yeah it's a self-titled one uh it's it's not very black metal-y. There's a lot of stuff in there, uh, a lot of industrial stuff, and I'm great at describing the music. Goddamn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's stuff. Um, yeah, it's hard to describe, especially because I'm like you know pretty close to it. Like in three years, I'll be more apt at it. Yeah, it's, it's movement on for me as well, though. It's not, you know, it's not trying to repeat an idea that the band started with this idea, but it's really lovely to see this kind of gradual development into into being a band in, and into developing new sounds and a new flavour to the music. That's what I heard on the new album. You know, some melody there as well, not yeah. just, you it's know. Not, it's not going to be for everyone, and that's actually kind of Fine. what we wanted. Yeah, we love it, yeah. so that's... <laughs> <laughs> we have to play it for two years, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to be on tour for two years? Where's your next bunch of touring happening? Um, we're going to do Europe in May with Meshuga. Then we're going to do a little leg in fall in the U.S. And also hit Canada. After that, I don't really know. <laughs> okay, well, I'll have to look up um, when you're playing in London and when you're playing New York, because I know you're not going to know, because people will say, oh, when you play Manchester? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so I'll uh, look it up. Have you got it in your head? I'll, I'll I come think down. It's the eighth of July. We're playing Royal Albert Hall, which is. Oh, I might place. actually be there. You're playing Royal Albert Hall. Well, not that's such me. a quiet gig. It's, it's <laughs> Sugar playing Royal Albert Hall. We get to tag along. But ah, that's the way okay. I present it these days, just to feel better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, listen, it's been a real um, pleasure uh, chatting to you to get a little insight into Zilanada and how it all started and, and how it's going. Just wishing you the best of luck and, um, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. It's a real pleasure to listen to music and to see you. Manuel, Zilanada, go and give them a listen. They are fully-fledged 
big old band now not just um, Manuel by himself um, so yeah definitely go and check them out as always give Skintings a like a subscribe a nice review and please do get in touch with me by tweeting at SkinSkinny go check out some of the past episodes of Skintings and of course next time I'll be joined by another one of my favourite emerging artists